Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, Managing Editor of FightfulMMA.com. It is March 26th. My God. Lots to get into today. Lots to talk about today. Conor McGregor, UFC Philly, UFC Nashville. I am joined by James Lynch. James, how are you? I'm awesome. Uh, just when you think we're going to escape the Conor McGregor news, he uh, throws us a curveball last night. Uh, yeah, one thirty in the morning. That's a fun one to cover after Monday Night Raw. Showdown, <laughs> Joe. Joe, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. How you doing? Uh, you know, uh, brushing my hair on the air, doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. It's typical. So let's go ahead and get into it. Conor McGregor claims again that he's retiring, and I have to admit, the post itself was hilarious. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just by the way, on a minor note, I'm retiring. What? what? James, What? at what point did you find this out? I'm sure you were asleep. I was asleep. Uh, I'm an old man, and I go to bed early, and I get up early, So, uh, and I'm on the West Coast as well. So You, you, I, I you go this- to bed late and still miss that news. Well, that, that's what I'm saying in general. So I, I missed it. I got up and normally I go to the gym as soon as I get up. And so I see it on my way and I was like, oh boy, we got a lot to talk about. So uh, yeah, I, I looked into it and then, uh, you know, obviously, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I wish McGregor would do it a little bit earlier so I can, uh, you know, get ahead of these things, but apparently not. Joe, your, your instant reaction when you hear, oh, Conor McGregor retiring. I, I don't believe it. I think it's a ploy. I think it's just <laughs> him just trying to figure something out with the UFC. He wants to be the main event. He doesn't want to be the co-main event. Uh, but all the power to him, if he wants to do it, he's made all the money in the world, right? So and he, he said it a long time ago. I'm in this game quickly. I want to come in, make my money, and I want to get out young. So you may want to take that uh, at its worth. You may want to take it at face value. But, you know, Conor McGregor, to me, I don't think he's done at all. I think it's just a situation where he's moving the various pieces around the proverbial chessboard, uh, and we'll see what comes of it soon enough. It's just nuts, and we'll go ahead and get into uh, the particulars of, of what he said. He said, quote, hey, guys, quick announcement. I've decided to retire from the sport formerly known as mixed martial art today. <laughs> I wish all my old colleagues well going forward in competition. I now join my former partners in this venture already in retirement. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. Okay, now let's break down the first of that. When he says the sport formerly known as mixed martial arts, does he mean that that's the formal title? Because it's not. It's mixed martial arts with an S. But, <laughs> or Joe, do we think that he misspelled formerly and is insinuating that it is no longer mixed martial arts because he isn't involved? Because there's a lot to read into that in its own. I will go with B, uh, the fact that he's <laughs> quote unquote no longer involved because he is a huge uh, part of the sport in, in today's landscape. I mean, this is not the end of the UFC. If people are thinking, oh, it's done. Uh, the UFC can never come out of this. Listen, they've, they've gone through this stuff before with Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, are, are they going to get a, a star as big as Conor McGregor uh, in the very near future? No. Uh, will they one day? Maybe. You never know. But the, the show goes on. The show will go on without Conor McGregor like it's been doing uh, you know, since before the Mayweather fight and before all this other stuff that's been going on. 
Um, he's great for business. Don't get me wrong. He's great for business. He's great for pay-per-view buys. He's fantastic, but the show will go on no matter what. I still think it's a ploy here. James, what are your thoughts on on at least the message, the the his, his retirement and, and the way that he quote-unquote announced it? Yeah, I don't, I don't look too much into it. I mean, I just, I like like you guys, my first reaction was, yeah, this is, we, we saw this, you know, what, in 2016, same thing. The only thing he didn't say this time was thanks for all the cheddar. Um, but yeah. in general, um, you know, this is, this to me says there's a money issue. Um, I know a lot of people are pointing to the fact that, you know, the, the I, I mean, what we're hearing is that, you know, because he didn't get the main event in July for International Fight Week, that this is what's causing the problems. But look, you could give him any amount of money. He could be on the prelims, and I don't think he cares. It's all about the money at the end of the day. And they're just obviously far, far apart th- at this point. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, too, with, you know, opponents, I'm sure it's not lining up the way he would like it. So this is just, I mean, we've seen that we saw this a few years ago. Remember, you're supposed to fight Nate Diaz in International Fight Week. They ended up fighting later in the year. Um, you know, th- this is something that, uh, you know, it's just, it's them going back and forth. And, uh, you know, the, the one, thing too is you know how how available dana white was via text last night to brett okamoto like that was interesting too so yeah. i think they're, they're both sort of you know trying to uh you know win sides on this um you know well again you're right the ufc can go on with them out them but i mean in the espn era where they know that you know this is all people are talking about today i think ariel's done like six hits on espn today like they they, they will get this resolved i, I imagine and i think espn is going to put pressure on the ufc and be like look let, let's get this figured out we need our cash cow because uh yeah Say what you want about McGregor. I know he's coming off a loss, but he he's the most interesting person in combat sports right now. And, and that's a conversation to be had. ESPN and their role in this. And, and based on what you said, they're getting their money's worth no matter what because they're like, Ariel, let's do all these spots. Let's go ahead and, and, and hit these. But they have such a, an incredible vested interest in North American or at least American pay-per-view buy rates because that half of that goes to them, presumably. I, I don't know the, the details of that deal. But McGregor, in an interview with Jimmy Fallon that hit the internet just hours before, guys, was shilling his proper 12 in, in a thing that, that Fallon did and said, oh, yeah, we're, we're negotiating for July. That's what leads me to believe this is just a negotiation ploy, not, not as if I wouldn't have assumed that anyway. It's Conor McGregor. It's what he's doing. And I get it. I mean, and honestly, if I were him, I'd probably, if the main event is the hangup, yeah, sure, I, okay. He, deserve, he should be the main event. He is the biggest pay-per-view seller in the history of the UFC. Nobody else has done more. Not, not, Con, or not Ronda, not Brock, not even GSP. And, and that's insane when we're talking about a guy who, win or loss in his last fight, did 2.4 million pay-per-view buys. My God. Uh, Joe, do you think they should bite the bullet and just, if, like, maybe even publicly offer him the main event that way? That because you you know how UFC does that sometimes in their own negotiating ploy. Yeah, so you you take a look at the dynamics of this scenario, and there's so many. We're not going to we don't I mean we don't have enough time to dissect every single one of them. But uh, on the surface level, you take a look at what Connor's doing now. Number one, him doing this via social media potentially could be him thinking or his management potentially thinking that we're going to put pressure on the UFC, all my fans, and everyone's going to be freaking out. And because you know it's your fault, it's your fault. UFC UFC is not going to take anything uh, from public pressure regarding this situation could also mean Connor still wants uh, a piece of the pie. He wants a piece of the ownership of the UFC. This could be another way of him saying, you're going to give it to me some way, somehow the UFC will not under any circumstances concede whatsoever to what Connor McGregor is doing via social media and via doing things in public. They'll do stuff behind the scenes. Now to go off of your point, should he get the main event versus a title shot or versus somebody uh, or, or a title fight as a co-main event? I hate to say it, but you're right. He's the draw. No other champion, uh, not even John Jones, is a bigger draw than Conor McGregor. You make your main event, your main event, the the the, the main draw. Okay, you don't make it your co-main event. So I do understand Conor saying, "Look, man, I'm the one that's going to be bringing in the numbers. None of your champions or your title fights are going to do that. I deserve top billing." And he's absolutely right. He is, from a business perspective, he's absolutely correct. Now, whether the UFC will do that and say, "You know what? We can't really have a co-main event in a non-title fight, and then have a, a, a sorry, a main event that's not a title fight and a co-main event that is a title fight. It looks dumb for business." Yeah, it does, but not this time. Then Dana White. <laughs> said in a statement, quote, he has the money to retire. His whiskey is killing it. Totally makes sense. 
If I was him, I would retire too. He's retired from he's retiring from fighting, not from working. The whiskey will keep him busy, and I'm sure he has other things he's working on. He's been so fun to watch. He's accomplished incredible things in this sport. I'm so happy for him, and I look forward to seeing him as, be as successful outside the octagon as he was in it. We really have had I've never had a bad conversation since Connor has been in the UFC. You know how I feel about retirement. If you're saying it, you should probably do it. I've never been upset about anyone retiring. When a fighter feels he should retire, I agree they should, end quote. Pardon my language, James, but bullshit! Yeah. You, I, you know it, what this is, re- it is kind of funny, though. Th- this reminds me of, like, someone who's been in, like, a long-term relationship, and they get dumped by, like, you know, someone in the relationship, and someone's asking how they're doing, and they're <laughs> just like, I'm good. I- I'm-, I'm really good. I'm-, I'm happy. I'm happy for them. You know, I- I'm happy for whoever they're dating. This is exactly what this reminds me of. It's like, of course, Dane is saying this. He's encouraging it. He's, like, he's playing into it, but I'm sure deep down, he's they, they would love McGregor back. Are you kidding me? Like, they need, you know, again, they-, they can do, they can move on with business, but they know for a fact that if you don't have Conor McGregor on an upcoming card or you don't have him fight at all this year, that's going to hurt business. It just will. I think it's also a psychology ploy, James. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'll play your game in the public realm. No problem. Yeah. You want to retire? Go ahead, sweetheart. All the best to you. You're the you're the best. You're awesome. You were amazing to me. We had a wonderful relationship. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. Behind the scenes, he's like, Fuck that, man. Get over here. Oh, sorry. I just swore. My bad. No, okay. <laughs> James, sorry. I should say this. Uh, I, I met with Jimmy Van last week. Did we did actually... we just get J- – we got <laughs> Joe to curse on the air? James? Yeah, I was going to say, what happened? Yeah. You really Jimmy stuck Van was all over me at lunch last week saying, you know you can curse, right? You know you're allowed to swear, right? I'm like, yeah, but I don't did like Did he say that? It. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you can do it, blah, blah. And by the way, props to Jimmy Van uh, who set me up with a – I can't even explain to both of you and to everyone listening right now uh, an unbelievable connection and a meeting uh, that I had just before I came on the air. So props to Jimmy Van. Thank you so much. But that's that curse was probably the innuendo or the Freudian slip that Jimmy Van had to me with lunch. Uh, but yeah, Dana White is basically saying, F this, man. Let's get behind the scenes here and let's discuss what you want. Stop going through the public realm. You want to do the public realm? I'm going to play the nice guy game, reverse psychology. You want to retire? Go right ahead, sweetheart. So if you were to guess, James, let's put a percentage on it. Percentage that Conor McGregor fights this year. Uh, I'll go 90%. I'm going 75. How about you, Joe? Uh, if this is the price is right and Jimmy or, or um, <laughs> the price is right and uh, James said 90, I'm going to say 89%. I think there he's going go. to fight this year. I do too, and he's probably fighting Nate Diaz. But I think Nate Diaz is a tougher guy to get into the cage than Connor, quite frankly. Uh, so that's that's a whole different situation. If Connor wants to fight Donald Cerrone, they will pull Donald Cerrone from an ally Quinta fight. That is not above something that they would do. It is it is completely in line. But ESPN is is the wild card in all this, guys. It's it's what we've talked about, and they've extended this deal for two more years. And ESPN has a vested interest in pay-per-view performance now domestically. So I'm really interested to see how they play this up because obviously, and James, you mentioned all the hits that Ariel Hawani did. They're going to play it up, for better or for worse, because it's exclusive to their brand. So they are they are just giving consistent promotion to their brand. And hey, I'm not I'm I'm also not above thinking that this is like some sort of publicity ploy either. I think that Connor's smart enough to do this. Uh I'll ask both of you, have you tried his whiskey? Yes, I have. How is it? I like it. And I'm not a whiskey drinker. Tequila is my drink of choice, as most people know, uh, me personally. Um, but uh, but uh, no, it was good. I had it actually when I was there at UFC 2, um, the last McGregor fight, um, 229, I think it was in October. Um, I was at a friend's house who's a local uh, Vegas guy in there, and he had some, and I was impressed. So there you go. To answer your question, there it's not available in Canada, to my understanding. Uh, I had a friend of mine who is a, uh, an executive with Google. Uh, and he was back in town. He's a Toronto guy, moved to San Francisco, and sent me a picture on WhatsApp with two bottles in his hand saying, are we getting together? Unfortunately, we couldn't get together. I, I haven't had it yet. Uh, and I made, obviously, the big mistake whenever I was in the States uh, not to buy some. So if I next time I get there uh, – and, yeah, I'm a whiskey drinker. Uh, tequila, for me, James, is in the far distance unless it's mixed <laughs> with something fruity because tequila is bad news uh, in general for yours truly. 
Therefore, okay. uh, I do like my whiskey. I do like my bourbon. Uh, I don't like my beer per se, but uh, uh, Sean, I am looking forward to trying it. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I am not a drinker, but yeah. when Conor McGregor starts an energy drink, I, I will be all about it. Oh, man. You know what? That's a good idea. The advertisement is just him throwing Monster away. Like, who needs it? And he starts his own energy drink. My God. So we had UFC Nashville this past weekend. And boy, that main event. And it's it's what we talked about, guys. You just never know how somebody's going to look. But the fight did play out pretty much how we we had anticipated. Stephen Thompson trying to keep his distance. Uh, Anthony Pettis switching back leg, front leg uh, with the kicks. And then out of nowhere, James, Pettis catches Thompson with a Superman hook. Rooster punch, as they call it, at Duke Rufus's, uh school. My God, that, that's a hell of a way to make an impression. It's just amazing how one punch can change the trajectory of the welterweight division. Like, if you think about it, right? Like, Thompson was looking good in that fight. He got caught. He gets knocked out. I mean, how many fights has he had? Karate and uh, MMA, I think he said in his, uh, you know, post-fight, uh, uh, you know, video from the hospital that he has almost 80 fights, and he's never been knocked out. It happens to the best of them. I mean, he's 35 years old. He's had to lay off. I mean, this is what we have to talk about now is that is Stephen Thompson on decline now, unfortunately, because of this, uh, because of this loss. And with Pettis, he was unranked. Former champion, yes, at lightweight, but he was unranked. Where does he fit in the division now? I mean, so many things have changed just from that one punch and and, and what's happened. And, and I think now you have, uh, you know, the last two weeks now, you have two lightweights taking over the welterweight division. I, I think it's pretty crazy. Joe, Pettis says that he wants to be ranked in the top 10. Do you see that happening? As I look, the rankings aren't out yet. Uh, I'm actually trying to pull them up right now. Um, he deserves to be in the top 10. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a different... I should say different there. I'm part of that school of people that says that, you know, each ranking number <clears throat> per se, <coughs> excuse me, per se <clears throat> is like you're defending a belt, right? <clears throat> Sorry. Hey, we'll, we'll circle back to Joe. We'll circle back. <laughs> it's, to it's, Joe. it's a tough subject. I can tell um, <laughs> he's emotional. <laughs> yeah. All those interviews, all those years. And he's, he's watching two guys that he's worked with all, all along. It's like, the, the, the irony cage. of you it's saying that is every yeah <clears throat> every time my son watches uh, the beginning of a fight he asks me three questions or, or or two questions basically are any one of the fighters my friends and is the referee my friend I guess that's his association as to who he's going to cheer for and when I told him all three of them were my friend he's like well friends shouldn't be fighting friends I said well they're not <laughs> friends this is a business and then you know he, he was he was kind of cheering it on and looking at it, what happened and he actually thankfully turned his head away. Uh, right before the knockout. Now, um, I said it. I, I I always love when Sean tweets during UFC broadcasts uh, regarding his. I got five on it, and blah blah. Sometimes, and I know I never do it, and I never will. Uh, there's the whole "I told you so." I told you so that I feel like I want to tweet sometimes because in breaking down this fight here uh, last week, if you watched last week's podcast, I basically said, "Pay attention to Pettis. He can do this." And what will happen to the welterweight division should he emerge victorious? And lo and behold, he takes out uh, a top guy. I believe he deserves to be in the top 10 and probably high up there because you took out a guy that was that had fought for the title twice and you took him out like you knocked him out fantastic, brutally as well. Thompson now has one win in his last five fights. And, and I said it on the, the post show. I am not of the belief that you go five rounds with Rory McDonald, 10 with Tyron Woodley, three with Masvidal and five with Darren Till and emerge the same guy. Like that, that is a hell of a run. This is the first time he's ever been finished, not just knocked out, like finished, period. Uh, I think he's done as a top contender at welterweight, James. Am I alone in that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. 35 years old. Fighters don't get better as they age. Uh, you know, it's, it's the fighters aren't fine wine. So I think it's one of those things where, I mean, we 36. have to start talking. Yeah, 36. So, um, you know, and, and getting knocked out. I mean, this could be the end of Thompson. I mean, who knows? He could go out there and get knocked out again. You never know with some fighters. Um, you know, and then you have like an Andre Arlovsky where he gets knocked out like five times in a row and then he goes on a crazy run. So you never really know with things like this. I, I tend to lean on the side that I think Thompson has a few more fights left, but certainly he's done as a contender in the welterweight division. Now, when we, we talk about the future of this welterweight division, it's like, okay, Thompson ain't getting to, to Usman. He's they're not going to run back to Woodley fight for sure. Joe, what, what do they do with this guy next? Yeah, I, I disagree. I don't think he's done as a contender just yet. But to play off of what James just said, once somebody gets knocked out, especially as they're a little bit older, 
Uh, I really want to see their next fight. And it's not from a health perspective because as far as I'm concerned, don't ever fight again. Uh, but at the same time, I want to see if he can take those punches because he's a very difficult guy to hit. And he got nailed. He got hit. And it's not like this guy's had some bad fights and, and been knocked out brutally before. This is the first time we've actually seen it. Right? So I'm not sold just yet that he's not a contender, but I don't think he's going to get anywhere close uh, to Kamar Usman anytime too. That Tehran Woodley fight will not happen. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of what's next. I mean, obviously the Ben Askren uh, option is there. Uh, you know, a rematch with Till could be a possibility. There are other guys that want to get that position uh, in the rankings. In terms of what, what they do next with him, it's very tough to say. Very tough to say. I think for, for Pettis, if they don't do Masvidal versus Edwards, I think that Pettis versus Masvidal makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I mean, Pettis same management, be, I, same management though. Just keep that in mind. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know it doesn't doesn't matter sometimes, but you know, just he really wants RDA. So, yeah, and that that's a fight. I'm like, why? Why do, do we ask? Whoop! He lost. I know. To him. I I don't want to see that again. Does Does I anybody do. else? I mean, I, do. I don't. I've not heard anybody clamoring and saying, "Oh, we got to run that one back. We got to run that one back." If, if that were the case, I'd be like, "Man, just go fight at 155 again." And and face all the other people that beat you and and try to do that. An interesting stat on Pettis, though. Uh, 2016, he won a featherweight fight. 2017, a lightweight fight. 2018, a catchweight fight. And 2019, a welterweight fight. That is... 20 middleweight fight. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to end up... Uh, he's going to go the reverse Joe Riggs and just gain oh. all the weight, and he'll compete at heavyweight <laughs> by, by the end of things. Speaking of heavyweight... Curtis Blades versus Justin Willis played out exactly how we anticipated. James, you talked to Curtis Blades with with uh, a lot of regularity. He mopped the floor with Justin Willis. It wasn't close. He made a point. I feel like he probably could have finished that fight. He did not like Justin Willis and vice versa. And there, there have been some rumors of some trash talk ahead of that. And there definitely was after the fight to the point where I was like, wow, Dana's in Nashville? Because he got into the cage to to stop whatever may have went on. What do you think of this? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, yeah, and, and uh, the one thing we should mention, it wasn't just trash talk. Curtis, there, there was an actual person going to Curtis's hotel and saying he wanted to fight him. Now, Curtis says that it's, uh, you know, uh, from the interviews, um, you know, says that it was someone that Willis sent to to, to get him. Uh, Willis's management is now saying that it's just some in- crazy Willis fan from Instagram or something. I don't know. But either way, I mean, Curtis Blades, you've seen his interviews. He's one of the nicest guys in the sport. Like, why are you going that, that angle? Um, you know, and, and I think Curtis sort of talked about it too, where he's like, this guy obviously, you know, was didn't didn't like the matchup and this is his way of trying to compensate for it but could anyone have come across worse this weekend than Justin Willis 3025 one of the scorecards i mean this was a total beatdown um you know usually when you see you don't really see a heavyweight fight like this where it's such a beatdown that it doesn't get a finish but uh to me this says that Curtis Blades is is right back in the mix um you know again i think a finish might have helped a little bit more but um to to dominate Justin Willis the way he did i think it just shows that there are levels to to the division and i think Blades is still in that mix of guys and you know he wants Junior Dos Santos or Stipe next so i think he Either of those fights are interesting, but uh, just great win for Curtis, especially bouncing back from that uh, rematch loss to Nagano, where he got knocked out in the first. Joe, what'd you think of this? I mean, Blades needed this. He needed it for sure, but I thought it was uh, you know definitely um, out of character for for Curtis to to act that way. But emotions get the best of people, man, and he he really wanted to prove a point here. Even when they announced thirty twenty five, did you see his reaction? Like he yelled <laughs> at thirty twenty five, right? Uh, and you know, obviously the, the the choice words he had afterwards. For Justin Willis, um, this whole thing about some guy uh, wanting to fight him, God, I wish I, I wish sometimes Curtis would have taken up that offer and beat him down as well. Like, don't be challenging a UFC fighter, man. Come on. At the same time, you take a look at, at what this means. Uh, if I'm Curtis, I'm taking that JDS fight and not taking that Stipe fight. Although uh, taking that Stipe fight might be something. See, he, he, it's a win-win for him. Whoever he would take on and defeat. But it's not a win-win when you take on when you take on a guy like Stipe Miocic, who's a wrestler, got fantastic wrestling, uh, can defend very well. Whereas Junior might expose himself uh, because of the way he plants his legs down and throws that power. You might be able to get underneath. You might be able to bob and weave and get underneath and get that takedown. So, uh, and Junior's on a hot streak right now. Uh, you may be able to stall that hot streak, stall that freight train. Uh, but yeah, I think he's right up there, man. So I'd like to see him take on uh, either one of those two gentlemen. I just thought it was, you know. I, I don't know if you guys want to use the word awkward with me or kind of weird when it's it's Daniel Cormier asking Curtis Blades, yeah. who do you want next? <laughs> and you're just looking at him. I'm like, say, Curtis, say, Curtis, I want you. I want you next, right? So it was kind of, uh, I thought it was kind of cool. 
I thought Justin Willis went into this fight with honestly not a ton to lose. He was a massive underdog. He was 4-0 in the UFC. Losing to Curtis Blades wasn't going to hurt him. But you see how he acts after the fight? Because Justin Willis was in on it too. Justin Willis was chirping back. And whatever this situation was that led up to Curtis Blades being upset, it had to be serious. James, as you mentioned, not only one of the nicest guys, one of the most soft-spoken to the point to where I was like, like I asked James, I was like, is he okay? He's got like this almost charming stutter to him sometime. He's so soft-spoken. But boy, when he has something to be upset about, that stutter hits the bricks. It's not there anymore when he's getting in your face screaming 30-25, I'm going to kick your ass. Look what I just did to you. It's like, all right, I think we, we found what not to do to Curtis Blades ahead of a fight now because he is a very, very scary individual. Um, to me, when someone can maul another human being who is 4-0 in the UFC heavyweight division like that, that's kind of special, and he's 28 years old. We're right. going to be seeing him, assuming something catastrophic doesn't happen, probably 2029, we're still talking about this guy. <laughs> it's it's amazing. So uh, a good win for Curtis Blades, and I think Justin Willis hurt himself a lot in a situation where he didn't really need to. Just here, Formiga helped himself a lot, derailed that Davison Figueredo hype train. I don't know what Dana White was talking about in this post-fight. Did you see this, Joe? No idea. No idea what he was talking about. Sorry, go ahead. So, Formiga wins this fight. Cool. I mean, he's he's the number one ranked guy. You also have Benavidez up there. Two legit flyweight contenders. And Dana White says, oh, so what we're going to do is... Sahudo versus Marias for the Bantamweight title. I've got a plan. Formiga versus Benavidez, same night. If one of those other guys falls out, we have somebody to come in. And I'm like, are, are they fighting at Bantamweight? Are they fighting at Flyweight? What is this plan? James, this made no sense to me unless you wanted to say, hey, these two guys are going to fight at Bantamweight. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just kibosh the division. At this point, I'm like, go ahead and do it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. And by the way, I love how you skipped over the McDessie fight, which was uh, not very good. Um, but yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, 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 does, it doesn't make any sense at all. And I, I don't even think the Cejudo fight makes sense, to be honest. Like, what are you doing with flyweight? Make up your mind. If you're getting rid of it, then say you're getting rid of it. But this whole, we're going to continue to do flyweight fights and we're not going to give, you know, we're, we're going to do the, the Marias and Cejudo fight. Like it just, to me, it's just stalling the division yet again. Like how long has this division been put on hold with the TJ Dillashaw rematches and everything else? Um, they they got to get this going. I mean, if you want to create interest in a division, stop doing these super fights. Like we saw that it was one thing with Dillashaw coming down and, you know, maybe if it was still Dillashaw, it would be, it would be the same thing, but there's no reason for Cejudo to get to fight after one title defense to get to fight uh, up at bantamweight again I, I think they're making a huge mistake here and again the yeah the placement of this fight and, and doing it again at flyweight is just silly i have no idea what they're doing joe your thoughts on this i i watched that clip a few times and i'm like <laughs> i don't get it i don't get it i don't i don't understand the logic here and it's a plan and I, I don't know what you're talking about dana but i'm trying to make sense of it all but it doesn't make sense and i just i don't know what to think anymore what i thought was even more cool was when i was looking at the post on instagram um, Jose Shorty Torres sort of ripped apart Dana, and then he had 64 at the time, 64 replies under his reply or under his statement, going back and forth, back and forth. So it's it's a it's I, I don't want them to get rid of the flyweight division, but if they are, just do it, just do it, like just do it, get it over with. And if you're looking for a bantamweight champ because Suhudo beat the bantamweight champ who had to relinquish his title. Then just do it. Like, just get all these 125ers and say, hey, do you guys want to move up to 135 and compete at 135? Trim this damn roster down. If you want to get rid of a full division, do it. But this plan, and, and maybe it didn't come across right when Dana was explaining it, but it didn't make sense to me, man. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, a lot of Bantamweights will get screwed if Cejudo gets a title shot. And I'm thinking, I mean, kind of, a little bit, but he beat the Bantamweight champion. I, to me, the guy who just vacated the title getting beat by him, even if it's at 125, I think, go ahead, do it. He's got a title anyway. He's going to have to give up that title. I'm okay with him essentially cashing in that title for a title shot if if that is the way that it goes. Other fights on this show before we, we talk about a couple. Um, John McDessie beat Pinedo. Luis Pena defeated Steven Peterson. Uh, McDessie's fight sucked. I don't put any stock in the, the Pena fight. He missed weight monumentally. But uh, Macy Barber getting a big push from the UFC. 
James, you spoke to her before and after this fight. J.J. Aldridge was looking pretty good. Macy Barber had some issues, had her chin straight up in the air, but that heart, it shined through, and she put the pain on on J.J. Aldridge, and that's a pretty solid win. I mean, she's a woman who came off of three straight wins in the UFC, and Macy Barber got, I don't want to say thrown in the deep end, but this was a good challenge for Macy Barber, and she emerged victorious. What I found so interesting with that interview yesterday, which you can watch on Fightful, uh, she talked about how... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Between rounds, she went to Dana, like she looked at Dana and said, this won't happen again. So she she even knew that obviously, uh, you know, the round didn't go her way in that one. Um, but uh, yeah, good thing she got the finish. And that, that sequence to finish the fight, man, she's got some power. Even at 125, I thought that was pretty crazy, the, the amount of power she was laying on Aldrich in that fight. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, the UFC is doing the right thing here. I know some people don't like her push, but... I mean, this is what you have to do. Don't we often complain about how the UFC isn't marketing their fighters well enough? She's 20 years old. She's very well coached. Like if you watch her interviews, she's very like, you know, solid, rock solid. You wouldn't know she's, you know, only 20. Um, yeah, I think this was this was a good scenario. I mean, best case scenario would be her if she flattened Aldrich. But in some ways, this is good. She had to overcome a little bit of adversity and, uh, you know, she got the win. So uh, I'm excited to see what's next. I think what's next is probably Barber versus Teleprompter 2. Oh, oh, I asked her about that. Did you see that in the interview? I asked her, I said, yes. how's, the, how's the prompter uh, thing? And she's like, kind of like dodged it a little bit. But I, thought it was funny. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you asked that. Uh, Joe, what was uh, your impressions of this fight? Well, she was getting her ass whooped in the first round, right? And I think the test that I like to see with a lot of fighters, especially up and coming fighters is, okay, you've, you've whooped ass all the way up until now. Uh, even at the grassroots level, you've whooped ass. I, I want to see you tested. It's a problem I had with Shorty Torres back in the day. I called all those first, what, his first five or six fights. And, you know, we would talk about it after every fight. I want to see you get your ass whooped first, see how you come back from adversity. And Macy came back from some adversity. She lost that first round, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, like James said, she has that power. And um, that, that finishing combination, What do we know what the damage was to JJ's face that just basically made her say, uh-uh? We're done here. I'm, I'm cowering over here because that really hurt. Was it her nose? Was it an orbital bone? Do we know? I haven't heard anything. Okay. Well, that was it was just a great finish by Macy. And, um, you know, the whole prompter thing is funny. People don't understand how difficult it is to read a prompter. You're, you're talking to somebody who's got 20 years experience with it. So uh, it takes a long time to understand and how to use and how to scroll properly with a prompter. At the same time, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not – maybe I'm not Sean Ross Sapp here. I'm not sold – on Macy just yet, but I do like where her trajectory is going, if that's fair. We also have Bryce Mitchell, and uh, quite frankly, what a success story. Uh, <laughs> he has become. His post-fight speech was awesome. That ruled. Joe, what, this this stood out to me as much as anything on, on the prelim shows. Dude, I got up and I gave him a standing ovation. It was a solo standing ovation, but I gave him a standing ovation because that's what you have to do when you get a post-fight interview in the octagon. So many eyes are on you. You've got X amount of time, a minute to 90 seconds, sometimes two minutes to get what you need to get out. And he did a fantastic job to the point where it's like, I want to go to Arkansas, man. I want to go to Arkansas. I want to see what's going on there. The passion that he had in that post-fight speech was absolutely fantastic. And we have to give kudos to Daniel Cormier who let it go. Because a lot of a lot of people would have pulled that microphone back and said, yeah, 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 you're done, you're done, you're done. Because we got a damn producer. Sean, you know this. James, you know this. You got a damn producer in your ear saying, bring it back, bring it back. Just bring bring the mic back. And you're like, no, this is a special moment. Let him do it. So 
Kudos to Bryce. To, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and, and who knows what's going to happen. Heck, if he gets camel shorts from Reebok, that's amazing. That, that's what he asked for. Like he <laughs> he uh, said that he wants Reebok camo shorts, and uh, I mean, this is a guy who uh, last year, quite frankly, tore his ball sack apart. Yeah. Do you remember when we he- heard about that, Joe? We were yeah. at the Jays game yeah. when we heard about it. Yeah. We're eating uh, whatever Jimmy and I was serving up there. It was, just it like was the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it, Sean. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, other other fights on the prelims. Marlon Vera um, showed Frankie the signs. Closed <laughs> his eyes. Uh, Jennifer Maya defeated Alexis Davis. Uh, perhaps controversial fashion there, but man, that combo in the first round. Cool boy. Uh, Random Marcos defeated Angela Hill. Interesting stat here. Random Marcos has never won two fights in a row or lost two fights in a row in the UFC. This streak has gone on since 2013 in PFC, which is in Ontario. I think that was yeah, like London, Ontario Provincial Fighting Championship. Yeah. 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 Wasn't, that like, it, yeah. wasn't there like an oilman's PFC or something like that out there? It, it was called that. I, I don't know. But back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Angela Hill still struggling in the UFC. Jordan Espinosa defeated Eric Shelton in a top 15 flyweight fight, if you would believe that. James, uh, what stood out to you on this prelim show? Yeah, a couple things. Um, Chris Gutierrez getting a win and also making some history first Guatemalan to win a UFC fight, which I thought was interesting. And apparently he said that uh, the, the like the soccer team uh, in Guatemala like recognized his his win, which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, so you don't hear stuff like that all the time. Uh, Marcos, yeah, you mentioned there the, the win. Uh, first, also first uh, stoppage win in the UFC. And uh, there was a lot of bad blood like dating back to them being on the Ultimate Fighter together. So uh, I, you know, I think I think her, you know, she's probably had a little bit more motivation to get that done. Uh, does Angela Hill stick around in the UFC? I mean, that's another loss for her so that's a big question Vera looked good Mitchell looked you know I talked about Justin Willis probably coming off the worst this week I think Bryce Mitchell came across the best and we'll see if that grappling match happens with Ali Abdelaziz you remember he called him out on Twitter yeah yeah I I don't know Joe anything stand out to you on these prelims well you know you always got Sean Ross Sapp saying you know I told you so or here's my I got five on it I told you about Random Marcos she will take down Angela Hill because of the way Angela Hill stands uh, and doesn't generate that power with her punches. She'll take her down and eventually either get that TK or submission win. I just felt it. Uh, and, and people know I'm not the biggest Random Marcos fan, despite her being Canadian. So I just felt that the, start, the, way, this fight, the way this fight, these two matched up, was going to happen. I also want to prove that, once again, I'm an idiot. Uh, and I'm a complete dumbass. Because uh, when I was watching this, I was sitting there thinking, why in the hell is Marlon Moraes on the preliminary card taking on Frankie Science? What a stupid fight. Why this guy should be fighting for the title? And then I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, "What the hell's wrong with me?" It's Marlon Vera. I had the biggest brain cramp watching this, so uh, I apologize to my son for explaining it incorrectly to any. Thank God I wasn't on Twitter at that point there. But yeah, I was just kind of like, "Okay, brain cramp. You're a dummy. Keep going." Well, this weekend is UFC Philadelphia Barboza versus Gaethje. We're going to give you uh, the betting odds, our picks, and anything we're looking forward to. Not sure of our schedule next week, considering uh, we will be heading into WrestleMania and no event the following week. But uh, let's go ahead and and talk about this show. The prelim card starts off with Alex Perez, Mark De La Rosa. Uh, Perez a minus 280, De La Rosa a plus 240. This is uh, quite a big line, uh, I think, for for the talent involved. James, what do you see about this one? It's really a question of which Alex Perez is going to show up. I mean, he got absolutely destroyed by Joseph Benavides in his last fight, but then the fight before that, no one's ever completely dominated Jose Shorty Torres the way he has. So I think this is a very interesting fight. Incidentally, these two were supposed to fight at UFC uh, Denver, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, De La Rosa, I think, ended up fighting Joby Sanchez or someone else. So, uh, you know, they've been familiar with, with each other for a while. Um, good fight. And again, it's at 35. These are two former flyweights, so they're, they're moving up a class, which I actually think will benefit uh, Perez because he has a pretty tough cut to... Uh, to 125. If you saw that interview we did, or I did with him in uh, in LA at the Bellator show, he looked uh, looked a bit different. Uh, you know, just with uh, maybe enjoying some of the uh, not having a fight scheduled. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think the line's right where it needs to be. I think if you look at the upside, I think there's there, you're seeing more of that with Perez than, than De La Rosa. De La Rosa is just you know winning decisions, but uh, we'll see. Uh, it should be should be an interesting matchup. Marina Morose plus 150. Sabina Mezo, a minus 170. You also have Gerald Mearshart taking a short notice fight at plus 175 against Kevin Holland, a minus 210. Enrique Barzola, 
and Kevin Aguilar. That's a a pick'em. That's uh, Barzola at minus one fifteen. Aguilar at minus one oh five. Anything stand out to you in, in those fights, Joe? Uh, Gerald Mearshart. Anytime somebody takes a fight on short notice. I almost give them more of a chance as an underdog. It's the it's almost the element of the unknown. But uh, anything uh, from your perspective? Exactly what you just said, right? The element of unknown has been a change. Uh, you know, Holland's preparing for a specific type of fighter. Now gets a new one, and and Gerald's like, yeah, just, it's an opportunity, right? I got you know, I technically have nothing to lose, but you know, you, you don't want to lose. But um, yeah, it, I think it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, I, I I do like James' assessment regarding the Perez uh, and De La Rosa fight. I think he's bang on with that. So. Uh, I am paying attention to that fight there. And, of course, uh, Moroz and Mazo. I, I don't know if I like those odds, to be honest with you. I think it should be reversed. Well, uh, a big line. Desmond Green, minus 140. Or my, not minus 140. Minus 440 against Ross Pearson, a plus 350. Now, do I have Green winning this? I, I definitely do. But, James, Ross Pearson, plus 350 against anybody. He's one of those fighters that can make it really messy and end up uh, gaining a decision. Anything on this one? Yeah, line, line's way too uh, spread out. I mean, I think there is value on Pearson potentially. Just Pearson hasn't hasn't looked good in, in I don't know how many fights. It's been a lot, but neither is Desmond Green. And the other thing is Des, you know, had to go through a lot last year. Um, you know, I spoke to him. Uh, so obviously he lost to Tysonov. Tysonov missed weight. He ended up losing the fight. His manager passed away, Glenn Robinson, if you remember that as well. And then he had that car accident too where – it looked like he might not be fighting for a while. So he's had to overcome a lot coming into this fight, uh, you know, with a fresh perspective. So we'll see how he handles that. I mean, that's a lot to take in. Not only that, he's had his fourth kid uh, as well late last Ooh. year. So he's he's got a lot on Ooh. his plate right now. So, I mean, yeah, that line's crazy. I don't think there's any way you can successfully uh, lay that much on there. But uh, at the same time, Ross Pearson, what, lost, what, four of his last five? Um, or sorry, five of his last uh, six. Uh, so, yeah. I just I would stay away from this fight personally because I, I don't know who's gonna who's gonna take this one. We also have um, Jessica Aguilar a plus two fifty, Marina Rodriguez a minus three hundred. Did you ever think we'd be in a position where Jessica Aguilar was a plus two fifty against somebody, Joe? No, no, not in this uh, not in this lifetime. No, that, it, that's that's such a wild fall from grace when she came over. There there was so much hype around her and, and deservedly so. Does, does that surprise you how far she's fallen? Uh, even though she she hasn't looked terrible of late, but um, but she just hasn't like, been the same as before, right? It's it's yeah. been a long time, yeah. And I mean, she she beat Jody Escabel. She got tapped out in, in three minutes forty one seconds uh, in November, I think it was. James, if she can't beat a Marina Rodriguez, do you think maybe we've seen the last of her, or do you think she's one of those people the USC will hang around and be like? Oh, I know you've won one of your last seven, but we'll still give you fights. No, I, I was surprised she actually got this fight, to be honest. I know she came off the win over Escobar, uh, the fight before uh, Wee Lee Zhang. But, uh, I mean, 36 years old, so many injuries. And you have to remember, too, when she fought for World Series of Fighting, they couldn't get her a fight. So she she was on the sidelines for quite some time. Um, it just hasn't gone according to plan for her. And uh, I think this is just another fight to make a prospect look good in, in Marina Rodriguez. So I don't think it's going to end well for Aguilar. Um, quickly, I, I do want to mention just a, a few more fights that I kind of skipped over here. Uh, just little notes. Uh, Sabina Mazzo uh, making her UFC debut. You uh, talked about their fighting Marina. Rose. Uh, she's a former LFA flyweight champion. Uh, she's she's the real deal. Ask anyone at King's MMA. They just rave about her. I believe she's only 20 um, from Columbia originally. Uh, watch her. She's this to me. She's 22. Actually, she's she's a fighter. I think the UFC is she's like another Macy Barber. I think the UFC, I think, knows what they're doing here with Moreau's moving up a weight class. So keep an eye on her. The other fight that we didn't talk about, there was a switch up. Ray Borg not fighting Kyler Phillips anymore. Insert Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny won the LFA interim bantamweight title on Friday. Now he's in the UFC. You might remember him as well from Contender Series. He's also the LFA interim flyweight champion. I know that's tough to keep up here, but he's good, man. He trains uh, you know, with uh, Chris Carriasso in Arizona, also spent some time at the lab, so he could be interesting against Ray Borg. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention those little tidbits on those. Oh, other yeah, I, I was going to mention that because as you as you said, he won this fight at Bantamweight. Yeah, and against Vince Cachero is really good. He's taking on Ray Borg. He's never fought in the UFC. He is now the number 15 ranked flyweight in the UFC. Yeah. Officially. My yeah. God. My God. No, no odds set on this fight yet, but assuming they're going to be monumental, I'll go. I'd put five on it, maybe, but considering that he fought at Bantamweight last week and um is is stepping up to fight at Bantamweight this week, it's not like it's not like they're they're trying to cut down to 125 again. 
that ranking is super confusing to me. Why'd they rank him there? Who knows if he'll ever end up fighting there, but, uh, guys, can I interject for one second? Yeah. Just to play off of what's happening on the chat right now, there is the talk uh, that Conor McGregor, uh, they are doing the investigation with the sexual assault, but it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, it's now making news, but, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if this has anything to do with the retirement situation, but this is, uh, you know, and, and you can look at what Josh was saying on the, on the chats. This is something been going on since January. It's been about two or three months. And that's why I don't necessarily quote unquote believe it because it's been yeah. going on for so long that, uh, you know, and, and again, someone like this can always be accused of something. So until we know more, uh, I, I don't, I'm not putting much stock of this. If he is guilty of something, then we're going to have some problems. We're going to have lots to discuss, but. Uh, as of right now, this is, I know this has been something that's been going on for quite some time. Um, this is going back to something that apparently was, was alleged back in December. So anyways, well, just thought I would say that. Yeah. We'll talk more about that, uh, following our preview, but we got this, <laughs> a series of, of fights on the, the main, main card as well. Uh, Yusef at minus 150, Marias plus 130, Paul Craig, a plus 185 against, a person who I'm going to assume you pronounce his name is Nchekwu. Very good. Hot damn. Minus 225. Uh, James, who you got here? I like Nchekwu. Um, this guy is another one of the, the really rising stars at Fortis MMA. If you know that, Jim's just been on a roll. They got you know Jeff Neal. They had Macy Chase on. Um, they, they've just been killing it lately with some of the fights. And uh, this guy, I know the experience isn't there. He's only got six fights. But if you remember, he went on Contender Series twice. And he won both of his fights, but it's just one of those things where they wanted him to get a little bit more seasoning. But uh, everyone I talked to over there just says the upside on this kid is unreal. And, you know, I think the fact they put him on the main card here, he's got an interesting story originally from Nigeria. Um, his mom has uh, ALS, so he's actually been taking care of her. He actually chose to fight as a career because he wanted to make money to help his uh, help his mother out. Um, so I think this is one of those fights where the UFC knows there's a cool backstory here with him. We've seen the the push for Nigeria, you know, with Israel Adesanya and Kamaru Usman. I think this is sort of a showcase fight for him to, to really shine. And I think that's why he's opening up the main card. So I, I'm actually going to pick Kennedy here. I think he's, I, I think this is, this is one of those fights they, they want him to look good in. We get into some of the, the, the more prominent fights on the show. Carolina Kovalkovich minus 150 while Watterson is a plus 130. I'm surprised that Watterson is a plus 130 here. I think that Kovalkovich is probably going to handle her in this one. Although uh, Watterson has been up to task before. Joe, any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Lions might actually move a little bit closer to Watterson uh, as we get closer because of the hype uh, that it's, that surrounds her. Anytime you start getting a fighter with tons of hype, the Lions kind of move closer. Uh, but with the, it depends on the sharp money, right? Uh, as we get closer to the fight, uh, I do believe Carolina is going to win this fight, though. I think she's good. She's fantastic. James? Yeah, I like I like Caroline in this fight. I actually think the line's right where it needs to be. I mean, Watterson has won some fights that she wasn't supposed to, or at least we thought that you know she was going to be you know having some trouble. But Carolina, to me, there's just she's more well rounded. I realize she's coming off the knockout loss to um, uh, to Andrade, which never looks good, and it's tough to come back from a loss like that. But I just think if you look at the two on paper, I, I would think Caroline is more well rounded. Um, but but saying that, uh, you know, Watterson can't surprise. But uh, I think Carolina wins this by decision. Josh Emmett, minus 105. Michael Johnson, a minus 115. You know, Michael Johnson's entire career has been built on him looking like, ah, maybe that's a wrap, and then he surprises people. It's not looked <laughs> like that's a wrap lately. He beat Andre Feely and Artem Lobov, not exactly the biggest wins. He missed weight his last time out. Uh, he's Before that, he had lost five of six, looked like he was maybe on his way out, but he's facing a Josh Emmett who – has also had some hiccups here and there, but has won two of his last three, can beat a lot of top names in the division. This is a nice matchup. Yeah. Especially if both of them can make weight. I'm not convinced this fight actually happens oh my. on Saturday uh, because we're, we're not just talking about a couple guys who have missed weight. We're talking about pe- people who have missed weight at like 147 and 148, not like barely missing weight. But uh, James, as far as this one goes, if 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 I had a gun to my head, I'm picking Michael Johnson because he can beat absolutely anybody in the UFC on any given night. That's just what he's proven. What do you think? 
Oh, a couple of things. I think the weight cut thing's a little overblown. Uh, Emmett took that fight against Ricardo Lamas where he missed weight, but that was on like a week's notice. And then uh, the, the Johnson fight against Lobov. Lobov was supposed to fight Turkoglu, right? And then the brawl happened. So Johnson stepped up. So again, another short notice situation. So I kind of, I cut both of them some slack in that regard as far as those matchups go. Um, but I actually think Josh Emmett can pull this one off, to believe it or not. Um, he was on a bit of a roll heading into that Jeremy Stevens fight. If you remember that fight, a little bit of controversy with the knee and everything. And that's actually, I mean, Emmett had a lot of injuries from that fight. And that's actually why he was out for so long um and the benefit Emmett has is uh he is he's teammates with Andre Feely Darren Elkins and Danny Castillo all of who have fought Michael Johnson so I think that is a benefit here um Emmett's you know I don't think you can underestimate him 13 and 2 record I think he could pull off the upset here Joe any thoughts I don't even know if it's an upset James to be honest with you because Josh Emmett's power if he connects it's lights out but Michael Johnson has the speed advantage, in my opinion, in this fight. Speed, I think, reach, if I'm not mistaken. So this is speed and touch, 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 touch until Emmett gets hurt going for the finish versus Emmett just has to land that one punch to, to just sort of rock that boat and then, boom, drown him, right? So I really, really like this fight. Uh, I do believe they're both going to make weight, Sean, uh, and I just think it's going to be this, – this has fight of the night written all over it minus the main event, which we'll discuss shortly. Co-main event, Dave Branch, plus 105. Jack Hermanson, minus 125. Interesting fight. Not one that I'm particularly like, damn, can't wait to see that fight. But an interesting fight nonetheless. Joe, your thoughts? Uh, you know what? As a co-main event, I wouldn't have made it a co-main event. You know, it's it's probably going to be a fun fight. I, I mean, looking at it, I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is, is the trajectory not telling us it's going to go full 15 minutes? Well, uh, Herm- Hermerson has finished his last, I don't know how many, he- Hermerson hasn't gone the distance since 2016. I think that's what they're banking on is that he gets, he gets a finish in this one. Um, I-, I think, I think that's why they're, they're in the Coleman event. And because what Jared, or because not Jared, because Jared Cannonier knocked out branch, uh, you know, in the second round, I, j- I just think it's going to be a completely different scenario here, but um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how it's going to unfold. I just don't know if this one's going to end early to be honest. I could be wrong, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's sorry. Go ahead, Sean. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I yeah, this is an interesting fight because uh, Hermanson, uh, you know, Gerald Mershart's a, a pretty tough guy to finish, and uh, you know he finished him in the first round. I uh, also finished Talos Latus, a loss to Santos, and then Branch has that win over Santos. So it's it's tough to see how this one can go because Branch, like, he'll get these like big wins like Santos, and he beat Christoph Yako when I think people thought he wasn't going to win. Um, but uh, but then he you know he has he has fights like Cannoneer where you know Cannoneer had nothing to lose, granted, but. Still, uh, you know, Branch goes out there and, and gets knocked out in the second round. So and we got to mention Branch is 37. So that I think is, is interesting too. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think, uh, I think, I think Hermison probably takes this one. I think he's a younger guy. Main event time Edson Barboza minus 135, Justin Gaethje plus 115. This is a leg kick battle that I've always wanted to see. This is, uh, I, I, I just kind of want them to go in there and chop each other down repeatedly. I like the line here. I think that from a technical aspect, Barboza is a little more refined, but Gaethje can beat anybody. Uh, James, this is a hell of a main event. Fight of the year right here. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Uh, when this was announced, uh, you know, this is the type of fights that you show your friends when you want to get them into MMA. Um, there's no way this fight's going to suck. Um, the, the, question, the question is, is that, uh, you know, how, like, to me, I've never seen a case in like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but like, I've never seen a, Edson Barbosa so interesting to me. Two fights in a row, he gets completely demolished. Khabib and Kevin Lee. I know, he, I know, he rocked Kevin Lee in that fight, but he still got finished, and it was a, it was a dominant win by Kevin Lee. And then he does the complete opposite against Dan Hooker and completely flatlines him too. So it's like, which Edson Barbosa are we gonna get? Like, I th- this is such an interesting fight. I think technically Barbosa is the better striker, but in terms of power, I think they're about even keel. Um, I have no idea. I mean, this this is a coin flip to me. If Gaethje goes out there and finishes Barbosa, would not be shocked. If Barbosa goes out there and you know is patient and, and was able to you know finish Gaethje, I think he can win. Gun to my head, I'm going to Edson Barbosa. But this is this is a, such a good fight and such a close fight too. Joe, this is one of those fights we just as as fight fans we wait for, we we dream of, and that we love. Now, will my neighbor be watching this fight? Probably not. But if he happens to tune into it. There's a good chance he's also going to say in two weeks, maybe I should order that UFC pay-per-view. And that's the benefit of a fight like this. Uh, oh, what do you think? Um, I, I'm, I'm on the opposite side of James for the moment, only because I think this is good. And it's one of the worst things you can say about fighters. I, I got to choose my words carefully. But when it comes to the battle of wills and the battle of heart, 
I think Justin Gaethje is going Justin Gaethje is going to have more than Edson Barbosa. Although Barbosa proves to prove to us in that um, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov fight that you know he's got it. It's just that this is going to be violence, violence personified, and eventually someone is going to have to concede. Uh, and if I look at my MMA crystal ball, I think Justin Gaethje will get the better uh, of Edson Barbosa. But the reality is the fact that it's going to be so violent. Who knows? Just referee, step out of the way, putting my phone down. Let me enjoy this. This is one of those fights, like you said, Sean, where it's like, oh, my God. Speaking of uh, this night of fights, my uh, UFC Philadelphia, I got five on it. Picks some betting flyers. Went one for three last time. Eh. We got Mark De La Rosa plus 240. Uh, like James said in the preview, depends on what Alex Perez shows up. Because I think Mark De La Rosa is more than capable of winning this fight especially at a plus 240. Now, I don't know where the Ray Borg fight line would be. If his opponent is a huge underdog, if if we're looking at Casey Kenny as a major underdog, I'm probably rocking with him too, but we don't have those odds as of right this second. So instead, Ross Pearson plus 350, Desmond Green a minus 440. Do I think Desmond Green's going to win? Yeah, probably. But for all the reasons that James mentioned, all the, the extracurricular going on with Desmond Green, that seems like the type of thing that, that Ross Pearson can capitalize on. And Ross Pearson is just one of those guys who he's going to lose five fights out of his out of six, win one, hang around in the UFC, and extend his stay. I I think that's uh, quite a possibility. And I'm going to go Jessica Aguilar plus 250. I think Marina Rodriguez beats her. I really do. And if, if that Borg line uh, opens and it's big, I'm taking that fight above this one. But just because we know the wealth of knowledge that Jessica Aguilar has possessed, maybe she can capitalize on something. Not counting on it, but just perhaps. Uh, Joe, you had mentioned uh, Irish police are investigating Conor McGregor over a sexual assault accusation. Holy crap. Tuesday, uh, McGregor announces retirement from the UFC, but um, a spokesman for Ireland's police service known as the Gardai would not confirm if McGregor was the suspect. But in response to a request for a comment related to an unnamed sportsman, it said that a man had been arrested January 17th and was released without charge while investigations continue. A file had been sent to the National Prosecutor's Office for consideration. Uh, McGregor and UFC have not commented on this. James, any thoughts on this situation? We've heard about the rumors for for months about about all this. Uh, the fact that the New York Times is putting their name on it, I think, is is a big deal. Obviously, I think I think that was been, that's the issue because of such a a high profile uh, person that Conor McGregor is. I think a lot of people didn't want to touch this or, or put their name on it. Now we have it here, and you know the timing of it very uh, interesting with McGregor. I mean, McGregor probably got the heads up that hey, this is coming out tomorrow, so this makes the retirement tweet even even more interesting here. But uh, yeah, Conor's got a bigger fight now outside the cage. Uh, you know, if if things uh, are true. It's been a mess. I mean, he, a few weeks ago, in front of a dozen people, smashed a man's phone. He knew he was going to get arrested for it. Like, I don't know anything about what's going on with him in this case in particular, but either way, the, the man is a lightning rod for controversy, and that can't be good news for his business ventures, Joe. No, it's it's, it's not good, and this is the reason why that – you know, you, you got to have the right people around you so you can be guided correctly. I mean, by by all accounts, you see him and his wife and his and his boys uh, or his kids. You, you know, looks good when you're posting that kind of stuff there. But then you start getting in trouble this way here, and we still don't know what the whole situation is. But you know, to echo what James said, if this is actually something that's going to now, uh, you know, reach the the light of day, it's a bigger fight, man, to deal with because it's even if if you know I. I Innocent or not, you're tainted. You know what I'm saying? You're tainted. You still, I mean, this this is a guy that's already been walking around on a with a, a different operating on a different frequency because he's made so much money. He's you know elevated himself to a different stature of of you know almost humanity or culture in general. So you, you got to be careful, man. You just you just can't get yourself in this kind of trouble. Just stay away, man. Well, we don't want you guys to stay away from FightfulMMA.com. We get UFC Philadelphia coverage. We had like 1,200 comments in our Nashville coverage. So uh, make sure you guys join us there. You all can follow Joe at Showdown Joe. You can follow James at Lynch on Sports. You can see my cat in the corner of this video because my door to my office opened up. But Joe, <laughs> what do you got going on this week? 
Same old, same old. I'm going to talk to Jimmy Van uh, probably a little bit later on uh, today and or tomorrow, but uh, same old, same old. I am looking forward uh, to this card here, so it's going to be fantastic. James, what do you got going on? Uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, Luis Pena later today for Fightful, so be on the lookout for that interview. Uh, you mentioned the Macy Barber interview as well. Had that uh, yesterday, so go check that out on there. Um, going to be a great card this week, and I should mention, actually, in a few weeks, I'm going to be commentating my second event, uh, Rise FC2 in Chilliwack. I'll be back in the uh, in the booth, broadcasting booth for that card. A lot of good fights on that one, so I'll plug that closer to the date, but thought I'd throw out a little teaser right there right now. Guys, you all can follow me at Sean Ross App. Follow us. We are at Fightful on twitter now we finally got the fightful handle but also yeah. fightful mma uh we got that handle right up off of shabanda hawkins who hadn't tweeted in six years come on shabanda i even reached out to you till next time fightful subscribe when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply